0: You better get ready. The coffee's poured and the on-air signs flashing. Broadcasting live and local. This is Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. G'day, I'm Lee Faulkner and coming up in the podcast edition of the show, uh, where you get to catch up on things that you might have missed out on, something you might want to hear again and some of the things that didn't quite make it to air. Well, it's all here for you, nice and easy. So, on the way, Todd Rule, the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Toowoomba CEO, Uh, He joins me to talk about a new campaign designed to bring more people to the Garden City. Uh, We'll catch up with the Western Downs Regional Mayor, John McVeigh. There's a couple of big events that are happening out that way and a bit of an update on how things are going with the uh, repairing of the roads following uh, big weather events earlier this year. Uh, Trevor Watts, the member for Toowoomba North, uh, got a couple of uh, things that he would like you to get behind and... We uh, kick it off uh, with Shane Webke, Uh, the uh, origin legend. Join me to talk game three and the decider at Suncorp Stadium. Enjoy. Well, it doesn't get any bigger, doesn't get any better than this. Uh, Suncorp Stadium will be absolutely bursting at the seam. Sellout crowd for a state-of-origin decider as the Maroons go head-to-head against the New South Wales Blues. Uh, of course, so too producer Rob and myself uh, with a, uh, a tattoo of the opposition team up for grabs uh, this time around. Uh, anyway, uh, helping me to decipher how this is all going to play out is uh, a bloke who knows uh, this uh, game very, very well. Having been in Quite a number of them himself. Shane Webke joins me. Good morning. morning, Lee. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm I'm well. I, I look, always a bit nervous when I'm betting against Queensland. Even more so when I'm betting against Queensland at Suncorp Stadium.
1: Yeah, you should be. <laughs> um, we we have a tendency to to overcome uh, what seem insurmountable odds. And look, we're up against it. and I know we love to we love to trot this out. But um, no Munster. That's Ooh. a big, big loss. That's a big loss. However, as you would know, I would say this, um, whilst he is a big loss, this will be won and lost in the in the early encounters between the forts. You will know, you will know very soon into this game, if if the Queensland forward pack come with an attitude that says, Right, well, oh, we haven't got Munster, so we're gonna have to particularly if it's Tom Dearden who plays in the six, they're gonna know that they have to show they have to they have to make some ground for him and, and And you will know in the early encounters, you will really understand what this game is going to be about. I think it's going to be a cracker. I don't think it's going to open right up. I think it's going to be one of those games that just goes right down to the wire. But certainly, if you look at it, uh, New South Wales have had the better of the preparation so far.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. It's uh, set to be unseasonably cold on Wednesday night, about one degree, which is very unusual for Suncorp Stadium. Will that play to the hands of the New South Wales team? We'll have to wait and find out. When we spoke ahead of game one, uh, we were sort of talking about what? impact Billy Slater and that coaching uh, team that he's put together around him with some uh, absolute legends of the game and obviously the result of that game fantastic. How do you think it, perhaps he handled the the pressures of State of Origin, the media, all of that going into that second game? Do you think there was a, a shift there for Billy and perhaps yeah, there was a bit of gamesmanship from Freddie? Well I think,
1: I think the second game was always going to it was always going to approve or otherwise the credentials of Billy Slater and the team that they put together, and and look, it's very difficult to look from the outside in, but yeah. I've, I've had a little peek inside um, through a couple of functions that I've been to and and some private stuff that they've done that I was lucky enough to be invited to, and I can tell you, you, you sort of understand when you're a player and, and you and you see a coaching staff after a long time, you see a coaching staff and how they they behave after um, after after a result like we got in Perth. That was, in in some ways, it was a little bit inevitable that, that New South Wales would wake up from their slumber that they were in, in in Sydney, and they were always going to come out, and they were always going to be very tough to beat in Perth. Yeah. The coaching staff have handled that very well. There's not a sense of you know, doom and gloom, which there shouldn't be. If you understand the concept of origin and how it works, inevitably that second game can play out like that. It is how they prepare, is how they they um, settle the nerves of that, particularly of the, of the younger players in the squad, how they deal with the preparation for this game will be the true measure of, of whether Billy Slater is the coach that we, we think and hope that he is. From what I've seen, Lee, from the inside, I can tell you, the man has really steady nerves and if you want to know what, what it takes to coach Origin, it is that. Because all of those players are the best at what they do. So you don't have to teach them how to play footy, you don't have to do any of that. What you have to do is is manage their expectations of themselves inside that environment because I can tell you one thing, it is a pressure cooker like no other in terms of rugby league.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly what you hear. Uh, I've heard the comments uh, that you, know, you blink and it's the end of the first half and you blink again at the end of the second half and trying to get your head around that and keep up to that speed of the game is one of the hardest parts, particularly for those who are new to that theatre. So, uh, yeah, look, I can't wait. It's going to be an absolute cracker. You'll hear it live here on Wednesday night. Uh, you think it'll be a closer game than perhaps they're suggesting?
1: Yeah, I I can't see it. I've seen the resolve of our team and what they are. Look, you never know, Lee. Like, yeah. It's a little bit like in Perth. I really didn't think it would blow out the way no. it team. I no. really didn't see that coming. And, and I don't see that this game will do that. Um, I just know what it's like to play at Suncorp, particularly when the weight of expectation is on a Queensland side. I just know what that does. And and, and what it, it may not mean that we can win. But it will mean that they'll die trying, yeah. and, I, and I, so, I, so that tells me that I can't see it blowing out. But who would know? Lee, the game has changed a lot since I played State of Origin, um, a lot, and you're getting much older. And apparently, about to get a tattoo. So this is very good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and of course, coming up on Saturday, uh, you get the opportunity to induct a couple of local legends, say uh, Laura Geitz, who uh, I'm sure you know, and uh, and of course uh, the bloke that you you know was your great mentor in Wayne Bennett, uh, into the Albury Hall of Fame. There, and uh, what a wonderful honour that is, eh?
1: Oh, Lee, I'm pleased that you mentioned that. That is, that is such a wonderful thing that um, the Perry Cronin and, and his team have driven out there, yeah. and 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 that those two, you know, they become the, the sporting immortals there. But, but the list is long of the people who have gone through, you know, our district per se, yeah. but, but certainly the Ulrich district. Um, but in general, in the Darling Downs, the amount of, the amount of you know, world-class sportsmen that we have produced is quite astounding. And that little that little museum out there just encapsulates that wonderfully. And that's going to be a wonderful day. If any, if Look, seriously, if people are looking for something to do in, in the local community, go out there on Saturday. It, it will be quite special, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Wonderful. All right, well, that will kick off uh, the museum will be open from around about ten o'clock, and then eleven thirty, the official uh, things happen, and then it off to the railway hotel, and that's when the party really starts. Let naturally, me tell you, people. I hope right, you are stocked right. up out there, people at the <laughs> railway. I, uh, as always, mate. It's an absolute pleasure and an honour to have a chat with you, uh, particularly around this time of the year. Enjoy the game on Wednesday night, and enjoy that day on Saturday. Will do. Thanks, mate. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious and well, it didn't take long. Bojo's PM ship is barely cold in the ground and the predictions as to who will take over are coming thick and fast. According to one major UK betting agency, it's likely to be Rishi Sunak but not according to a fortune teller who uses asparagus to predict the future. Jemima Packington, known as the Mystic Veg, has correctly predicted previous political events by tossing spears of asparagus into the air and interpreting how they land. She reckons the UK's next Prime Minister will be Ben Wallace. And if you believe the asparagus, it could be worth your while, as Wallace sits currently at 100 to 1. And before you laugh, Jemima foresaw Brexit... Boris Johnson becoming PM four years before he did, Prince Philip's death, and Harry and Meghan stepping away from the royal family. Jemima says despite political turmoil gripping the country, the asparagus has reassured her that Britain will get back on its feet in the coming months. Jemima is the world's only asparomancer and began making predictions at eight, inheriting the gift from her elderly aunt who used to read tea leaves. As for the rest of the year, well, Jemima's predicted more sadness and scandal for the royal family. The asparagus tells her Croatia will be the shock winner of this year's World Cup in Qatar, another juicy one as they're 50 to 1 outsiders. Now, Jemima does have history. In 2019, she correctly predicted cricket success for England, Big Brother returning to the TV screens, and US romantic musical A Star Is Born winning the Oscar. Before that, she foresaw Andy Murray winning Wimbledon, the Euro Crisis, and the Credit Crunch. But no. I mean, the only prediction you can accurately make with asparagus is if you eat it at night, you'll smell it in the morning. You cannot be serious! the head of the Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce in uh, Todd Rule. He joins me for breakfast. Good morning to you, Todd.
2: Uh, Good morning on this uh, chilly day.
0: Isn't it what? It is very cool. But I tell you what, you guys have had a hand in uh, a little presentation uh, that really does warm the heart. Toowoomba, take me there. And uh, this video uh, just highlighting the, the magnificent food and wine and this culture that we're now breeding here in this part of the world.
2: Yeah, um, it's a great little uh, video. Um, um, Developed, thanks, with uh, the great support of Dime Darling Downs and Little Pig Consulting, Um, and it really builds on on that saying we've uh, had just recently Toomba take me there with our tea towel, and it's really just showcasing just the great foodie destinations and options there is in Toomba in the region, and uh, we're very excited to um, support our support our hospitality industry and uh, our food and ag network
0: and make sure you get onto that hashtag if you're on social medias and you're going out and you're taking those pics of the wonderful things you're getting uh toowoomba take me there that's the the hashtag and we can get it all happening on social media and really give that a fantastic push uh hospitality will always feature very very well at the business excellence awards and i know that you're launching those
2: yeah so this week we'll uh, Start the award season with the launch um, on Wednesday night um, at our, our Hall of Famer Rose from last year. Um, so we just urge everyone to look out for the saver date, the fifth of November. Um, nominations applications will open up for the next couple of weeks. The process is smooth. You go through the website. Uh, it's all simple. There's a week of site visits um, later in the year. So uh, we just urge everyone to, you know, put in an application, um, nominate your favourite business and then come and celebrate on the 5th of November uh, and as we shine a spotlight um, on the local business community and what a wonderful business community they are.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about that. All right, and then uh, I, I think this is very interesting because you're going to have a, a social researcher uh, addressing one of your upcoming events and uh, having a look at some of the things that uh, are actually happening in and around our region.
2: Yeah, we have uh, Mark McCrindle from McCrindle coming on the uh, 28th. Of July um, for a lunch at Clifford Park. Now it's going to be exciting. He's uh, one of Australia's leading social researchers. He's uh, worked with major companies both in a, in Australia and overseas. Um, him, um, you yeah, know, look him up and see what the wonderful work he's been done. So he'll be coming um, and just talking about the Toomba business sentiment. So this is the first one the chamber's done. It actually looks at just at the Toomba local government area. And we can get to hear what uh, he thinks, the challenges, the opportunities um, is with uh, all levels of government policy setting regulations and what uh, the Toowoomba community says or the business community says they need to thrive and survive. So it's an exciting, uh, it'll be an exciting lunch and it'll really set the boundaries to where Toowoomba sits. And as we move forward in these uncertain times,
0: no, that's coming up at the Toowoomba Turf Club, one till three on the twenty eighth of July. Should be a fantastic afternoon and uh, and lunch there. And certainly, Mark is uh, is just brilliant. I thank you for the great work that you and the chamber do to continue to promote this part of the world. Uh, we're looking forward to a, a bumper uh, September with a month long celebration of Carnival of Flowers and uh, so much to celebrate in uh, our region. Head to the Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce social media pages or their website for all the details about the things that are happening there and how you can get involved. Uh, Todd, thank you, as always, for your time this morning.
2: Uh, Always a pleasure, and stay warm.
0: You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And for the best part of four decades, moviegoers have been in love with the internet's boyfriend, Keanu Reeves. But the passage of time has done little to diminish his charm or his good looks. In fact, some of the actor's fans think... He looks a little too good for his 57 years and have sparked a curious conspiracy theory that Keanu Reeves may actually be immortal. No way. Way. Yes way. According to futurist and philosopher Dr. Richard Haynes, Reeves has been seen across multiple centuries going back as far as 700 AD. Keanu was Charles the Great going back to the year 740 No way! Yes, way! Now, paintings of the medieval emperor do bear a resemblance to Reeves, and the circumstances surrounding his death also invite suspicion. And it's not the only sign that points to Reeves being the undead. During an appearance on The Jimmy Fallon Show in 2017, Reeves was asked about his resemblance to these two historical figures and his response did nothing but fan the flames of suspicion. We're all stardust, baby. Well, you've convinced me. Now, this interview came after another telling comment Reeves made back in 2014 when he was questioned about giving away millions of his own earnings to people who worked behind the scenes of the Matrix trilogy. His response? "'Money's the last thing I think about. I could live on what I've already made for the next few centuries.'" And if conspiracy theorists are to be believed, that's exactly what the actor plans to do. Could it be a healthy, non-drinking, non-drug taking and exercising lifestyle? Hell no. It's more likely that Reeves is a vampire. No way. Yes way. And you know, maybe there is some truth to this rumor, given I've been watching a show since the early 1970s, in which one particular character still looks exactly the same. All greetings, it is I, the Count. Ah, ah. You cannot be serious! The member for Toowoomba North, uh, the last uh, State of Origin, uh, he was here uh, before the hair dyeing, uh, harassing me about Queensland winning. Uh, he every now and again turns up in the studio uh, wearing blue. He's uh, avoided that uh, by uh, calling me this morning instead via the studio hotline. Uh, Trevor Watts, good morning. Good morning, Lee. I'm looking forward to your tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be branded a Queenslander if, of course, Queensland can uh, do it at Suncorp Stadium. And uh, I know you'll be cheering the Maroons along there uh, if for no other reason than just to see me get branded. Uh, otherwise, uh, of course, it'll revert to uh, producer Rob. Uh, so, a lot of fun, state of origin, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic tonight, that is for sure. Well, Lee. The really important part is not so much what you've got to get tattooed,
3: but, you know, once you get that Queensland shield... Where are you getting it? That's what I want to know.
0: Ah, well, I'll make sure that it's somewhere uh, discreet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any more information than that. Thank you. But I'm more than happy to show you, Trevor. I'm more than happy. Uh, now... <laughs> I will put it
3: up on my social media. I want to see a beautiful oh, Queensland shield, you
0: know. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about a couple of things. Of course, uh, we've got back to school happening uh, with uh, the kids getting back uh, into the club. Classrooms again, which is great.
3: Yeah, look, it's great to see the kids getting back to school. But one of the things that we do need to improve is is the safety around our schools. The roads are getting busier, so there'll be a few petitions coming up that I'd love people in particular suburbs to support. Um, one is uh, at Stewart Street as they're going into the Toowoomba State High. Um, we've also got um, over at Wilsonton on Richmond Drive. They need a scramble crossing there. Um, and a little bit of parking um, over at Fairview Heights. And so these are things that I'll be working with those PNCs, trying to improve some road safety around our schools, and uh, would love to see the community get behind that. The government um, did put some money in the budget for this to happen around the uh, state, so now we need to convince them that our schools are the most deserving ones by getting that community support around them.
0: Now, people can go to uh, your website or social media pages for links to that uh, petition? But We will get
3: them up um, towards the end of this week. I yep. uh, just need to tick a few boxes with the PNCs coming back this week and make sure they're all on board. Um, the other one, the one that I'm really uh, passionate about, is uh, little old Toowoomba um, North State School um, has uh, uh, no indoor sports area. Uh, they, have a, they have a covered area um where they can play sport, but they don't have an area where they can have an assembly, they don't have an area where they can play sport. And as people would appreciate at the moment, this is really not outdoor playtime <laughs> no, weather. So right. um it would be it would be great to see the whole of Toowoomba get behind that and um, you know I've spoken to Grace grace the Education Minister um, she she's um, you know said look it's not in the budget but she's going to do the best she can and there's a little bit of money in the budget to do some investigation but we need the walls up because winter in Toowoomba is no fun if you've got no area at all that you can go to and play.
0: Well, that is very, very important. Uh, just too, I noticed that uh, nearly 4,400 members of the community signed the last petition that you uh, were talking about with me here, and uh, that, of course, surrounding uh, the, uh, the justice system and, and what is going on with the crime rate. Uh, and we will look forward to the government's response. That's due by the week of the 25th, so in a couple of weeks' time, we we will get a response to that petition, but uh, you certainly got plenty of people uh, wanting to put their name to that one.
3: Look, um, unfortunately, there is. You know, I'd love for a petition like that to go up and for everybody to go, what are you talking about? Things are not too bad. But unfortunately, they are. They have been. The government needs to listen. It needs to put the resources in place, put the support structures in place and put the legislation in place so that we can feel safe in our own homes. And um, so I I really thank everybody for signing that petition. It'll be an ongoing battle, um, but, you know, I I moved to Queensland, you know, some 35 years ago, and it was a beautiful lifestyle, and I want to make sure that my children inherit that lifestyle by having the legislation and the police service and the other things in place to make sure we all can feel safe in our own homes.
0: All right, and just finally, uh, if you are going to uh, Trevor's uh, social media pages to uh, have a look for those petitions, uh, scroll down a little bit and have a look at the uh, World Chocolate Day blind taste testing. (laughs) I I tell you what, he knows he's chocolate. I yeah, you did pretty uh, well, well there. that
3: turns out I don't. turns <laughs> out I don't. I, I, I really thought the Cherry Ripe was a coconut rough. You, you know? did? Like, just, yeah, I don't know what that's about.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, anyway, our wonderful sponsors, well, Cherry rock What thinks. I do know, Lee, is
3: that, you know, <laughs> the, the tattoo in the appropriate place, I will put it up on my social media. I want to see a beautiful oh, Queensland shield, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Watts, member for to Woman North, as always. Thank you for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Lee. Cheers.
3: You cannot be
0: serious! Yes, I'm serious. And when you think of whiskey, your mind probably turns to the Scottish Highlands and the amber liquid with a flavour profile that ranges from woody and peaty to fruity and smoky, and of course, crabby. No? Well, you might be surprised a brewery overrun with invasive crabs is turning them into the world's first crustacean whiskey. You know, I think there's probably a very good reason why it's never been done before. Anyway, the little green crabs are one of the world's most invasive species and a common source of cheap food, but now you can also drink the crabs thanks to Tamworth Distilling in the US state of New Hampshire. The company has started producing and selling whiskey made from the little crabs. And they're calling it Crab Trapper. The crustacean infused alcohol is actually brewed using crab stock made using the green crabs, which is then distilled and turned into the whiskey. The aptly named project developer, Will Robinson, Danger, Will Robinson! Danger, no, Will Robinson! <laughs> yep, reckons when people hear crab whiskey, three quarters of them are going to go, no, absolutely not, which I think is a very conservative estimate. Oh, and if you're still not convinced that this is the single worst idea in history, the remaining flavour profile should sort that out. Crab Trapper is made with a bourbon base steeped with a custom crab, corn and spice blend mixture best likened to a crawfish boil. Mm Mmm, top shelf. The crab is present lightly on the nose, accompanied by clove, allspice and coriander. The price of the bottle has not been made public yet, but the ingredients alone tell me they don't want to sell it. But I wouldn't rush if I were you. I get the impression that crab-flavoured whiskey will be about as popular as Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson at a human rights summit. You cannot be serious!